You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. We are brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. All right, we're glad you made us a part of your podcast listening and or viewing habits. Coast to Coast, here with you as always. Appreciate you subscribing. If you have not subscribed yet, please go ahead and make that happen. I will pause for a second and allow you to do so. Little girl from Ipanema, uh, faux elevator music for you there. Hope you have indeed subscribed so you get all the Inside Carolina goodness to you. However it is that you consume your podcast. All right. So without further ado, let's get rolling. Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan are here with me as always. We know that you guys are here to hear more about UNC basketball, recruiting, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, we'll start here. Uh, Nick Timberlake visited UNC last week, and then the dead period happened, and crickets. Sherelle, anything to add there? Uh, no, I took an official visit to UNC. Um, of course, you know how all these go. Everybody says, oh, it went well. And uh, I guess the thought is it went well. Uh, no commitment was rendered while he was on campus. And now we're trying to see kind of what his next steps are. Uh, if he takes another visit, uh, that's not great for UNC because it shows that he's you know still very open. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't go to UNC, just that he he's open to um, other schools. So we'll see what happens coming out of the dead period, which is only a, a three-day span because immediately after um, this, dead, this dead period, there's a three-day open window and then there's another dead period and then things pick back up. So we'll, we'll just kind of see where he stands uh, in the next week. But visit to UNC, only visit he's taken, only visit he has scheduled at this moment. Name those dates for me, Sherelle. What dates does, or what day does the current dead period end? And then what so, day does the next one start? So it ends on Thursday. You're going to have me lying. I should have looked this up before. Uh, it ends on Thursday, I think, which is the um, – I'm stalling for time. This is really bad radio. Okay, so – April uh, the 5th. April the 5th it, is Wednesday. April the 6th would be Thursday. Yeah, so it ends on um, Thursday at noon, and then a new dead period starts on the 10th, and it goes from the 10th through the 13th. And then uh, I guess that is Friday the 14th, I believe it is, is when visits will really open back up again for a while. All right, so everybody listen out there, in absence of information, just recognize there's not a lot likely to happen, at least that Sherelle and South Carolina can report during these dead periods, because they are dead periods. It doesn't mean things aren't happening, but it means there's the likelihood of new things developing is incredibly low. 
something that did happen this past weekend is the Geico Nationals. Uh, we teased it a couple of weeks ago on the show about it's basically the the showcase for all of the top basketball teams and uh, prep teams in the country playing together in one big event. Um, Got to pour one out for for my favorite name of, of a prep school ever, Prolific Prep, as they were <laughs> upset early in the first round. Um, but meaningful to Tar Heel fans and listeners of this show, Final game, the national or the championship, where I guess is the de facto national championship, pitted Elliot Cadeau against Zayden High. Cadeau, of course, is a member of the 24 class right now. Uh, Zayden High out of uh, uh, AZ Compass, uh, as it <laughs> says in their uniforms, um, out of Compass Prep. He was playing against Elliot Cadeau and Cadeau's friends at Link over in Missouri. Sean, you watch this, you've got some stats. Hit us up, man. What jumped out at you about these performances? Because just from from layman's terms on the social medias and on the message boards, Elliot Cadeau got some attention this week in all of the right ways. Well, be- before we get there, and I'm going to go off the top of my head, so I will need to look this up afterwards and I can be fact-checked, but the Geico National Championships, I believe the first year was held at Georgetown Prep High School in Washington, D.C., which I believe it was 2009. Um, UNC was getting ready to play uh, in the final four and Avery Bradley was the, was the big name. And I think he, he played so well, it made ESPN put him above John wall in their, in their rankings, um, that year (laughs) in terms of a few very good defensive, defensive games. And I think Josh Shelby was another, uh, big time name in that one. So, you know, the, these events have, have come a long way. Now they're being held down in, in Fort Myers, Florida, where City of Palms is held. So it's crazy that this has been going on that long. But funny to think back uh, many years ago when I was just sitting in the high school stands watching watching one of these. But in terms of, of what's relevant this year, yeah, Elliot Cadeau uh, put on a, a th- really a three-day show as as Link Academy went on to win win the championship. Um Beating, you know, they beat Paul Six the first game and and finished off beating Zayden High's Arizona Compass team in the in the final game. And really, it was the first game that that jumped out. Um, you know, it was it was two points, but it was fourteen assists, which you know I think in unless you're Marquise Noel, uh, it's pretty much unheard of right now. Uh, but that that really continued on the second game. He had a really good scoring effort. Uh, sixteen points. Uh, was still able to. Yeah, really a double double 16 points 10 assists uh and then the the championship game 11 points five assists so uh you know he really really made his his mark um uh, i think the the vision you can see it on any of the highlight tapes that have been circulating around in terms mm-hmm. of really just uh gifted gifted vision kendall marshall-esque i, I think is easy easy to say um you know in, in this one he did hit five of ten from from three over the two or sorry, the three games, uh, and had a 2.4 to one assist ratio. So his turnovers were, were up there, but I think when, when you're, you know, playing with that type of talent and you're throwing some of those passes, um, that's, that's going to happen. And that was also one of the, the learnings from watching him in the, the two games he played over in FIBA, but yeah, it was sensational watching him play, just watching him, uh, control the pace, watching him, uh, hit players in perfect passing position, uh, at the same time. I think a lot has been brought up about defensively in terms of some concerns given his height, but that that was probably one thing that stuck out to me was just uh, 
he's pretty much a quarterback out there. He's, he's alert. He knows what's going on. He's aware of what other players are doing, where he should be on ball, off ball. He moves his feet uh, extremely quick. That, that really can frustrate guys when they're out on the perimeter. And he's not afraid to put his chest in front of somebody and take a charge. So I think those are all tremendous signs defensively uh, of what he can bring, despite, you know, the size that, that will be a concern, but he played tremendous. Um, Zayden high, it took him until the championship game to, to knock down his, his first field goal. He doesn't get a, get a lot of shots on that team, uh, given some of the talent and some of the usage rates of, of some of his teammates. So he, you know, he had, um, uh, he, he finished six points in the championship game, 10 points overall. It was a fairly nondescript tournament for him. Uh, I'd say in general, you know, he's, he's definitely a better, better Will Shaver. Uh, we, did, we did a lot of work on him in terms of what he brought in the EYBL circuit. And I think being on this, this team will have helped him probably from his shot selection and just playing with, with better talent. So definitely not a guy that's going to come in and start right away, but I think, you know, some, somebody that can potentially offer some, some minutes off the bench and, you know, hopefully grow, but I know growing is a lot harder in the transfer portal era these days. Shrill, uh, just going back to Cadeau's performance, sitting there watching that and seeing some of the stuff he was able to do, I saw a guy that was hitting his teammates in stride. I saw a guy throwing 70-foot pitch aheads like it was nobody's business. And I also saw a guy throwing his teammates open on some plays. Tell me why I'm not overthinking things and why I'm not overvaluing a kid who is 19 years old right now. Well, you know, in the absence of something, I think we always go looking for it. So, uh, again, follow me on my crazy analogies. But when you hire a football coach, for example, you're usually going to hire and yearn for the thing that you didn't have. So if you had a, a crazy <laughs> defensive stalwart who wanted to win games 10 to 7, you're probably going to hire an offensive savant who wants to win 56 to 50 just because it's human nature to want what you don't have. And I think for North Carolina, they haven't had that really uh, in, in quite some time, a player with his passing acumen and, and basketball IQ and just smoothness. So I think it causes the fan base to be like, wow, look, look at that. I'm not saying it's not special, but I think that's why, um, particularly here in the last couple of weeks, that uh, they really gravitated towards the way that he's played. Um, but as far as his skill set and ability, yeah, I mean, it is, it is top notch. Uh, it is ready to go. It is, uh, something like we said, we haven't seen at, at UNC for some time. And, and to me, what always kind of is the hallmark of, a a really, really good guard is when they're playing extremely hard and you can't tell. And I think with, uh, Cadeau, that's what you see, like he's playing hard, but it just looks so smooth and so easy and so in control. And uh, North Carolina just hasn't had that. Like we said, I keep saying it over and over. They haven't had that in some time. Uh, they haven't had someone who can set teammates up the way he does and, and see kind of the, the pass after the pass after the pass, kind of three passes ahead. Um, you know, I, I'm going to invoke Kendall Marshall because that's the last person they really had, I think, that has this ability at this age. So, um, yeah, it's just a combination of things that I think is really made UNC fans excited about the way he played. He played phenomenally. I mean, let's not understate that. But I do think there's some of that. It's like, okay, haven't had somebody like that in a while. It'll be fun to have. Yeah, it's it's the old stepbrothers. We have so much room for activities, 
right? Like you just see him and, and you think about his ability, like you said, to see the floor, to see the pass before the pass, before the pass. Uh, it's just, it's fun to watch. And he looks incredibly calm and confident at the same time doing those things. Uh, Sean, what do you think for a player like Cadeau, how much will it improve him when he's playing with better players? And that's not to say, you know, his current roster now at Lake has six guys who are division one commits and some other guys that are top 20 in their respective classes. So I want to ask with respect to them, how much will it help him when he's got guys that are, you know, again, more experienced, uh, maybe more used to, to playing in a faster speeded game. Oh, as you mentioned right now, he's, he's playing with extremely talented high school players, but once again, they're, they're high school guys and, you know, Jacoby, that, that guy's going to be a beast at, at Baylor, but even high school guys, it, it takes them time to develop, whether it's next year in college um, or, or just several years out. And I think, you know, he'll be, he could be playing with guys that have been anywhere from one to one to five years in Chapel Hill. And I think, um, you know, just especially guys that are familiar with the offense and have adjusted to that size and speed of, of college athletics, I think, uh, will be extremely helpful. Uh, you can see that he is usually a few steps ahead of everybody. And, he, he, you know, he probably could have had a lot more assists because he was hitting guys, you know, from across the court right in there, right where they needed to catch it to, you know, catch and shoot very easily. Um, so I think it'll definitely definitely help his game. Um, I think just playing with the, the Sweden team helped his game. Um, and I think this year at, at Link Academy has has definitely definitely help. So I think, um, yeah, I know it wasn't a question, but I think of, of all the people, um, I'd say myself and Terrell are usually against reclasses, but I think we've said, or I've said it on here. Um, I won't speak for Sherelle, but I would, I would certainly be in favor of a reclass just given all the, all the different, you know, between his, his age and what he accomplished and what UNC could utilize. Uh, I think it definitely makes sense of trying to get two years in Chapel Hill rather than two years at Lincoln Academy. So, Sean, let me ask you this. And I, I'm curious, like, what what do you think is the hardest thing to do um, as a freshman coming in to, to college basketball? What, what do you think, like, you know, in, in college uh, football, it's always with running backs. It's like, oh, can they pass protect? Or uh, with offensive linemen, it's like the physicality. What do, you, what do you think that is for, like, a freshman guard? I mean, definitely the decision, decision making, uh, you know, under, you know, Roy Williams, we always talked about how hard it was for freshman guards. I was right? going to say, you can't say, guard. you can't say figuring out what Roy wants you to do. You can't say that anymore. <laughs> um, but it is a decision. I mean, everybody's quicker, taller, um, uh, you know, so it, it's much, much more challenging, but I also think, uh, the hard, the harder part is as, as well scouted as high school, these high school games are right now. And, and the AAU games, it's, it's obviously 10 times more in college. And once they figure out, Hey, what's, what's your weakness, uh, whether it's that that's offensively or defensively, then teams are going to try to attack it. So right now, Cadeau, uh, you know, he can hit the three, but he's, he's not a 40, you know, he's not shooting 40% from, from three. So all of a sudden, if, if teams aren't respecting him and they start going under, you know, that can make it more challenging for him to show his, his specialty, uh, which is really turning the corner in the pick and roll, um, as well as hitting, hitting guys. So I think it is decision-making, but also getting adjusted to that, to that speed and, and size of the, 
the college game, especially when you're going to have the ball in your hands and be responsible, um, you know, for what's what's going on offensively and defensively. Well, and I ask that because I think uh, his decision making and his basketball IQ are, you know, his greatest strengths. So yep. you would think theoretically the 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 move to college basketball would be a little bit easier for him, considering his greatest strength are the things that most people struggle with when they get to college. So if we're talking about a potential reclass, then that would I think that would uh, that would give more hope or or more reason for him to go ahead and do it because of those skills. So yeah. let's let's see here, Sherelle. Um, I think that's kind of the the question everybody's looking at because again, with the absence of of movement during this dead period, and with UNC having so many gaps in scholarships on the roster right now, uh, let's just kind of reset where things are with not only Elliot Cadeau, but with um with Ian Jackson's name came up again. Boogie Flan's name has popped back up. Um, you know, Ian Jackson's a potential reclass. So why don't you reset and won't you reset that for everybody as, as we sit here on April the 2nd? Well, it, it came up because uh, Fland and Ian Jackson were both at a USA basketball event uh, down in Houston. It, it's there every year with the Final Four, where, wherever that location is. So a bunch of guys who are really talented are invited down there for like a mini camp. So both of them were there. And then Cadeau obviously was at Geico Nationals. And um, obviously the question is with Jackson and Cadeau, is, you know, what are you going to do? And I think they've been fairly consistent. I was a little surprised that people took, you know, the most recent answers as kind of new information. Um, but the answer from Cadeau, since the first time we talked to him was, I think my preference would be to stay in 2024, but, you know, I kind of want to make a decision later, see how things look, you know, fill things out. That was even before he committed to UNC. After UNC, it was pretty much, you know, let's let's see what things look like uh, in you know, kind of uh, spring, early summer, and reevaluate based on the roster and a few other considerations. So he's been pretty consistent with that. Uh, and then Jackson has pretty much said the same thing. I'm staying in 2024 as of right now. That's been his answer since August. And typically, it for what we do and how we approach things, if someone says, if someone mentions reclassing or says they're thinking about it, we kind of treat it as that's the most likely outcome. Um, you know, maybe that's fair, maybe it's not, but that's kind of how we treat it. So we'll we'll see over the next couple of months. Both of those guys have decisions to make, but uh, they haven't changed in what they said over the last five or six months, even before their Carolina commitments. All right. So everybody just kind of take that and, and consider it while you're while you're thinking about, you know, who's going to do what in the next few months. Sean, do you have something you want to add? Yeah, I think, you know, when we're on the, the reclass subject, I think, and I say on the message board, I think we've we've talked about it is is uh you know, you have somebody committed that that's so far out and we saw what happened with, with Gigi Jackson uh in terms of commit, you know, reclassing up. And I think that it, that is some you know, something everybody has to be wary of is you're always gonna have other third party voices um in people's ears saying, Hey, you know, who cares if you're committed to Carolina, go to school X now, and you're going to be a top 15 pick. And this is what you're going to make. And this is how much you're going to make it. Um, and that's hard to, <laughs> hard to say no to, uh, especially when you think and everybody around you is telling you that, Hey, you, you're a top, top point guard or top, top shooting guard. Um, not to mention all these other coaches, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of voices and it is, nice to get get guys in that you have committed uh but once again i think you still need to look at the situations i'm 
much more in favor of Cadeau coming up um, in, in terms of, I just think the passing ability is, is special. Um, you know, we saw how, how bad UNC struggled in transition, how they struggled to, to generate, um, you know, really good looks. That's not all on the point guards. There are a lot of other factors at play, but I think Cadeau's passing vision is special. Um, he, you know, it, it's not like he is going to Link Academy next year, like James Brown. Um, he's already done it, did that. He's been playing, playing up. He's older. So pretty much everything checks the box. So that's why I, I would, you know, definitely vote yes for that reclass. Jackson, yes, in terms of does he get him in Chapel Hill versus another year of Rick Pitino trying to recruit him or God knows what else. But at the same time, on the court would, would concern me in terms of, I, I think it could be a fairly uh, inefficient um, season by, by him, just given some of his strengths and weaknesses, but that's all just one, one person's opinion on, on those two. That's a, uh, that's good insight, Sean. And um, again, this is what Sean just laid out are the reasons why I think a lot of fans are intrigued by the thought of, of Elliot Cadeau coming in early and, and why people are kind of, at least eyeballing the thought of, of Ian Jackson coming in, especially with, you know, with spaces on the roster. Uh, Sherelle, over the last couple of weeks, as guys have been departing the UNC program and a lot of names are showing up in the the transfer portal, uh, you've had the unenviable task of trying to, to parse things out for our subscribers without violating any of the trust you have with some of your sources but also giving our subscribers and our listeners, you know, the, the information that they're looking for and the news and just kind of understanding what's happening. Do you want to try to give a little bit of a synopsis as to why things are the way they are? I just, you, you know, me, I'm, I'm very one to very much one, not to kind of hide what I think about something, but in all honesty, I think the way you guys played the, the usage of avatars, in scenarios with 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 the stories this past week, I think it's brilliant. Like my my small brain would not allow for for that sort of uh, cunning display of of info while also not necessarily going full hypothetical, but letting folks know kind of what's going on. But I think some people may not necessarily understand that wholly, and I'm not trying to rip on anybody's intelligence. I'm just saying I think some people may not get what you're trying to put down there. So. I'm going to shut up and allow you the chance to try to reset that and give folks a little bit uh, of a look, you know, into how the sausage is made, into how you report on things like this that not only are moving so much, but just have so many different parts that are speaking into them. At first, I thought this was going to be the Johnny T-shirt read, so I was preparing like some <laughs> clever banter. About... My goal for a Johnny T-shirt read is for you guys never to know when they're coming. Okay, well, that's good. I, I thought it was going to be like, oh, they're leaving Carolina, but they're stopping by Johnny T-shirt on their way out to get some more Carolina gear. Uh, so yeah, it, it's difficult because obviously we're we're in the information business. That's kind of our currency, and that's why you know the wonderful listeners and readers subscribe, and, and that's why we're able to do some of the things that we do. Um, the issue comes in that. For every legitimate, you know, three legitimate things we hear, there's probably 15 that turn out to be illegitimate or don't reach the threshold of us being able to report it. Um, from the reporting side, you know, we, we try to make sure that we have it from more than one trusted source. And people always say, well, an unnamed source wouldn't tell you this or an unnamed source wouldn't tell you that. Well, the reason they're unnamed is because either they probably don't want their name out there or maybe they weren't supposed to tell us, so we have to use unnamed. But the, the trust relationship that our readers have with us is that 
we wouldn't call it a trusted source if it wasn't such. So I think that is something that needs to be cleared up. Like that's the reason we kind of report it the way we do. Um, but you know, other people might hear rumors about names, but we're just, we're not able to report that again if we can't get it confirmed. So the use of avatars was basically to say, hey, there might be a couple of players that UNC has reached out to that we think they probably have reached out to, but that we can't confirm it based upon our normal standards of reporting, which is the multiple sources. So um, that's the reason, one of the reasons we use the avatars. The other is, you know, sometimes recruitments end after one phone call. Um, and so it's kind of like, what's the point of reporting it if we know that this, there's nothing going to happen? I'll, I'll never forget. Let's let's go down memory lane since UConn's in the national championship game. Uh, a center named Alex Oriaki was at UConn. And this is when it was just grad transfer. That was the only way you could really leave and not sit out. And North Carolina needed a big man. And Roy Williams called Alex Oriaki one time. I talked to his dad and Alex Oriaki probably 27 times over the course of a week. And I was like, have you heard from UNC? Have you heard from UNC? No, we're going to hear from him soon. Have you heard from UNC? Have you heard from UNC? And it went on for five or six days. And we kept doing updates on the message board, like Alex Oriaki's dad says this, and he says this, and we think it's coming soon. Come to find out, you know, UNC called once and was like, ah, eh, not really interested. And so we, we have to find the balance of like, being completely transparent about what we know with also not leading down, leading the readers down a path that we know is not going to end well for UNC. So it's always weighing that. Me and Ben are always talking, Greg, Ross, the whole team, we're always trying to figure things out, talking to Sean in, in Slack, uh, you know, so that's kind of how it works. And um, I would say, again, the UNC staff, and really not even the UNC staff, Portal recruiting in general is so much more secretive than high school recruiting. These guys, most of the time, have been through one or two, sometimes three, recruitments in the past, <laughs> and they just don't want to deal with it again and, and don't want to go through what they went through. So they're setting up visits. They're not telling anybody. They're talking to coaches. They're doing Zoom calls. Um, and then, you know, they magically show up to visit somewhere, and then they're committed. You know, when we talked to Paxton Wojcik, he was just like, yeah, I just didn't really want to have everything out there. So I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't, uh, you know, leak it to any social media sites. I just went about my business and made a decision. Um, so that's much more how it works in the portal world. And then you couple onto that, the fact that North Carolina as a staff and uh, as a record label and a crew <laughs> um, in general, oh boy. yeah, they, they don't talk that much uh, really to anyone. They're very quiet and they like to do things and, kind of a shadow manner almost. So we add all that together. It's very tough to get information. Um, so when we do, we have to make sure that it's, you know, double, triple, quadruple source to make sure that it's airtight. Because if we let a name out, uh, perhaps someone that returned to a certain school, you know, over the last week, if we had reported that they had reached out to that name and it doesn't go well, and then people start creating depth charts and people assume that it's going to happen just because, you know, we said, hey, there might be interest. Um, that can get messy. So we try to we try to take a lot of the guesswork out for the reader when we can, while also being completely transparent. And we recognize that sometimes those two things are, are at odds. So it's it's difficult, but we try to do the best we can. And for folks who are new to Inside Carolina, that's what makes this staff better than any other college site in the world. You can you can challenge me on that. You can buck me on that if you want to. Um 
but I'll put this staff, myself excluded, I'll put this staff up against any other site. And there's a reason other sites get made fun of because they don't go through the lengths that our reporters go through to confirm information before they report it. Trill, do you think it would be safe to say that if a player was recruited or not recruited by UNC the first time for what seemed to be typical red flags, is it safe to say that UNC will probably not pursue that player the second time? God, that was a giant t-shirt read again. He got me again. Um, I think that's safe to say. Uh, you know, the caveat being, uh, if you're talking about players from three classes ago, it was a different coach. Right. So I would just leave that caveat open. But most of the time, yes. If someone, uh, if their recruitment didn't fit what UNC was looking for the first time, more often than not, it's not going to fit the second time. Cheryl, can you give me an example of when a player may have been in that kind of Alex Oriaki, who, by the way, uh, the, tri- the answer to the trivia question, folks, is he finished his career at Missouri, uh, in case anybody forgot, uh, but he finished his career <laughs> at Missouri. Um, Cheryl, would there be uh, an example of, of something that might change that trajectory to where maybe it was a one call the first time? And then all of a sudden now, the second time that they're looking, you know, as a transfer, now maybe all of a sudden UNC has has actually attention. Is, is it more of recruiting over? Is it there are spots on the roster? Give me an example of where that that might have changed so that now where it was one call when they were in prep, now it's like, oh, all of a sudden now UNC is interested. Uh, a name people probably aren't going to like, but re- they remember well was uh, Austin Rivers. So obviously he didn't go in the transfer portal or anything, but UNC was was, you know, they were after him. And he played, I think, one or two tournaments with uh, Trevor Lacey for each one, teach one. And UNC, you know, Lacey had a huge game in front of UNC, but they never recruited him. I, I can't remember who exactly they had on the roster at the time. Um, it was somebody good, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but anyway, so he went on to Alabama, I believe, and stayed there for a couple of years. And then when he uh, announced he was transferring, you know, Roy Williams was all over it. I mean, they, they called him. I think like the night there wasn't a portal then, but the night he decided he was going to transfer, they called and uh, they were working on visits. And it, it, you know, I think a few factors along with his relationship with Mark Godfrey is why he ended up at NC State. But Lacey, I would say, is, is one of those examples. And nothing particularly changed between, I guess, the initial recruitment um, and the second one, other than he showed that he was good in college. Um, and UNC really needed a shooting guard um, that year when he was transferring in as opposed to the year when he was in high school. Um, so the, the roster had changed. So I think those are the, that that's one example I can think of on top. Um, I had to think hard about another one, but that's the first one that came to mind. Well, that's a, go sorry, ahead, just, not exactly, but I mean, I think with, with so many names in the portal, sometimes it can be as easy as like, you know, watching the, the UConn, UConn Miami game, they're talking about Tristan Newton and how does East guy from ECU go to UConn and is now playing the championship game. And then it's pretty much as simple as, Hey, do you remember that freshman that scored 25 points on us a few years ago? And then, um, you know, it, it goes from there. So it, with so many names, it, it can also be these, these little things that, that stick out and, and get guys, whether it's UNC or, or other schools. It's funny. You mentioned Trevor Lacey because the one thing that I think was different between him being the scorer he was at NC state, uh, and when he was at Alabama, was that he did not go to Johnny T-shirt when when he investigated Chapel Hill. Uh, I think that were Trevor Lacey to have gone to Johnny T-shirt, he probably would end up being a Tar Heel. And I think most folks are are safe to say that. I think most folks would feel confident saying that. 
Um, and he probably would have scored uh, just as well at Johnny T-shirt with discounts and great prices and selection as he scored at NC State, being a player there. Um, Johnny T-shirt are big friends of this show, big friends of Inside Carolina. We want you all who are listening to the show to be friends of theirs. Uh, baseball season is in full effect. The baseball team is is on the road for quite some time, but they will be back, and the weather is officially getting warm. We're officially in April now, so go by and get you some baseball gear. Wear it out to the Bosch. Enjoy a spring day watching some college baseball. And the Diamond Heels are uh, are starting to round into form. Um, tough loss against Coastal recently, but uh, took two out of three from Notre Dame on the road. And that is a fun bunch to watch. So when you're watching that fun bunch, be threaded out the way you're supposed to be from Johnny T-Shirt. Premium subscribers know you get that extra 10% off the top. And you'll be glad that you've gone to see friends of the show. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, boys. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up because I think we've, we've – did I say wrap this up? Wrap this show up. Wrap this ish up something let's end the show uh sean do you have two cents for us uh one i'm just i'm curious to see what's gonna what's gonna transpire they they've received one one commitment have received one i guess two now official visits with timberlake and and wojcik and um you know a lot of people are in the portal uh there's there's been some interest so just trying very curious who's going to be coming coming onto the team um and also, you're basically you're basically just like everybody else like like we're all just sitting here waiting to see all right what's next yeah yeah i'm i'm excited um you know i i think i've been watching a few of the guys in terms of um you know i'd say two two guys that that have kind of 
jumped out. One, well, one, there, we've seen a few big sky players come out um, that I think will definitely be playing in, in power five programs. And, uh, you know, big sky produces some pretty good, and it's, it's always been guys that have gone to the G league or overseas after they, they graduate, graduate that have done really well over the last three to five years. And I think now we're going to be able to see that talent emerge at power five schools. So don't sleep on the Big Sky Conference. Um, I, th- I thought and- you were making a, a a really bad segue to mentioning Harold the Show Arsenault. <laughs> Weber State's still Big Sky, right? I believe so. All right. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. You know, going back to LA Cadeau, uh, potentially have something out this week on him, but there's there's plenty of highlights uh, that exist out there to go watch some of that some of that passing that. That went on this week and once again it was against three extremely talented teams at the highest level of high school so uh i think it was fun watching watching him and, and seeing him in the news as well as unc in a positive positive light yeah my, my man moran makes a great point there if y'all haven't seen that video uh it's pretty widely cir- circulated you can find on the inside carolina message boards uh there's been a couple of threads where people shared it but it's it's good footage and it will get you excited about Cadeau's skill set uh, if nothing else, just because it's it's him playing against top level competition, just looking really good doing it. Shirley, you got two pennies for me? Uh one one quarter, I would say. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. I, I don't have change for that, sir. Yeah. Um I'm gonna call this like the talking points portion of the program because I think we're probably gonna say the same thing over the next few weeks. Um so one of my lines that I've I've liked to say is that the transfer transfer portal <laughs> is simultaneously a marathon and a sprint. And uh, I think that's difficult because it's uncomfortable for North Carolina fans to have a roster this with this much uncertainty, you know, in April of the year before. Carolina has been known as kind of the school up until the transfer portal really a couple of years ago. Um, they didn't have people leave because they loved the UNC, they loved Roy Williams, they loved to develop at the school. And now that kind of everything that's been impacting the rest of college basketball is impacting UNC. It's creating nervousness amongst the fan base. And I'm not judging it for that because I think it's valid and and it's understood. Uh, But I I would say that you have to have a little patience with this. Um, Dating all the way back to what we talked about a couple of years ago, you don't know who's going to enter the portal and you don't know when they're going to enter the portal. You know, they have to be in by May 12th. And that's really all you know. Uh, someone on on their roster who they think is coming back could be like, you know what, I changed my mind, I'm leaving. Or or someone on a really good team could say, this is not the situation for me um, and decide they want to go. And then there's, there's a player you can go look for. Um, if you look at the dates of the commitments that UNC has gotten from the transfer portal since Hebert Davis has become the head coach, Paxson Wojcik actually is the earliest. Now, obviously, North Carolina was playing uh, for a week after um, Wojcik's commitment, you know, a year prior. But, you know, it's the earliest commitment they had. They had two players officially visit in the last week. And because everything is moving so fast, I'm snapping my fingers, people kind of think that nothing's happening. Um, And I would say, again, consider North Carolina and how uh, quiet they are about things. So just because you guys don't know it or we don't know it doesn't mean that nothing's happening. They're not, I promise you, they're not just sitting in the Smith Center kind of twiddling their fingers, you know, looking at the big screen, trying to figure out the meaning of life. They're actively searching. They're actively talking to people. They're just choosing uh, to some degree not to share it. So there's that. Um, and then just remember, you know, uh, Brady Manick committed 
I believe it was April 16th. Uh, Justin McCoy, I believe it was like April 10th. Uh, Pete Nance was, I think, the day before Father's Day, so like June 18th. And Dustin Garcia was like July 7th or something. So that's why I say it's simultaneously a marathon and a sprint, because you have to look at players now, but you have to also look at, you know, potentially guys who might um, come in the portal later, who might go to the G League invite camps, who might go to the draft combine. Um, and then if that wasn't enough, you also have to consider these reclasses. So in the absence of something happening, don't think nothing is happening, would be what I would tell everyone, because things are happening, they're trying, um, and we'll, we'll see where it goes. But I think the best course of action, as I've said before, is to think about the plan and not judge the individual pieces until it's a whole. Then you can judge the whole instead of the individual pieces. So let's have a, a conversation on June 15th or July 1st. And then we can say, you know what? They didn't do a good job in the portal or yes, they did a good job in the portal. But right now there's too many moving parts to make that you know declaration either way. It's a great way to end the show. And uh, you didn't even mention the fact that, you know, there's money now openly, right? Like there's money now involved with NIL that is, is legal. So that also changes things. But uh, in the spirit of getting out of here, that was a great way to wrap the show, Cheryl. We appreciate you. Uh, you and Sean always bring so much to it. I'm sure our listeners are grateful to hear from you guys on a regular basis. Uh, I am thankful for everybody who listened to the show, everybody who subscribed. Uh, if you have not, please do so. I gave you some time earlier in the show. Uh, you're not going to get any more time. So you got to do it after you finish today. But special shout out to Sherelle and Sean for being a part of the show as always. Uh, to John Siegley for producing. We appreciate John making the show happen and getting to your feeds. And to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. Because we don't do any of this without their support. So in essence of, of, of time and me running out of things to say, uh, why don't we just wrap the show and we'll get out of here. Catch you all next time. On the Coast to Coast podcast from InsideCarolina.com, I'm Joey Powell. back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.